Hello and welcome to the latest podcast from The Lancet Global Health. My name is Hannah Cagney and I am joined by the author of a study into child-focused cash transfers and their effect on the risk of HIV transmission in adolescents living in South Africa. Let's hear from the author of the study introducing herself. I'm Lucy Kluver. I'm a lecturer at Oxford University and at the University of Cape Town and I'm a South African social worker. Dr Lucy Cleaver, thank you for joining us. Could you describe the background of the use of cash transfer programmes to reduce HIV transmission and how might these reduce HIV? This is a really interesting question because originally they weren't designed to reduce HIV. The whole push for, for cash transfers really came about through supporting and alleviating poverty. And particularly in sub-Saharan Africa, they've been really seen as a poverty alleviation measure. So it's only quite recently in in the last few years that people have started thinking of their potential for HIV prevention. But there's been a couple of really interesting randomized control trials that have happened in the last three years. So one of them was really interesting. It was in Malawi and they targeted these cash transfers at adolescent girls. So it was a three-armed randomized control trial. Some got got no cash transfer at all. Some got a cash transfer that was conditional on school attendance, and some got a cash transfer that was unconditional. It was a relatively small amount of money, but what this trial found was that regardless of whether the the cash transfer was conditional or not, the girls getting the cash transfer had lower HIV incidence. And when they looked at why that was, the single risk behavior that had changed was that their choice of sexual partners, that these girls were having sex with younger boys rather than older males. So this is a really good indication that these might be causing some kind of capacity for girls not to have to choose these risky sexual behaviors. And of course, that's a randomized controlled trial and it's, it's very well controlled. So one of the things that we really wanted to do was see whether that was working in these huge national poverty alleviation programs in similar ways. Could you tell me about how you carried out your study? Yes, it was quite a lot of hard work. In two provinces in South Africa, in Mpumalanga and the Western Cape, which are right at the top and right at the bottom of the country, we selected rural and urban health districts in each one because it's quite important to get that rural and urban spread. And within those health districts, we randomly selected census enumeration areas and then literally went to every single one of these enumeration areas and interviewed every single household that had a a child between 10 and 17 at baseline and, and then followed those families up a year later. How does your study differ from other studies of cash transfer programs? These other studies that have been done are really fantastic. There was both the Malawi study and there was also recently a study done in Tanzania called the RESPECT trial where they gave people conditional cash transfers on a four-monthly negative sexually transmitted infection result. And I suppose what randomized control trials can do really brilliantly is demonstrate proof of concept. They're saying Does this, when we run it well, in quite good conditions, does this work? The idea for this study came about from discussions with UNICEF, with Save the Children, with the South African government. What we really wanted to know is whether we were seeing these same effects in these huge national programs. And of course, you know, the real world is not the same as a randomized controlled trial. The real world is messier and less efficient and less well controlled. And so we really wanted to see whether we could see these same effects. Because if if we can, then it has huge implications for policy and government policy in sub-Saharan Africa. This study was really interesting because it didn't come about as a scientific idea. It came about from discussions with UNICEF and the South African government and USAID, PEPFAR and Save the Children. 
And really, these groups of major NGO and government players were asking, what are the policy questions that we need to answer in the next five years for, for HIV and AIDS-affected children and HIV prevention? And so this study was set up to be a rigorous scientific study that could really address policy questions that, that were of importance and was really guided by those policymakers and programming needs. The findings of your study in a real-life setting, so to speak, showed that cash transfers were associated with reduced incidence and prevalence of risky sexual behaviours in adolescent girls, but not in boys. Could you tell me more about these findings? The findings weren't quite what we expected, to be honest. I think that we'd thought we'd either see an effect on everything or an effect on nothing. And what we found was these really interesting and varied results. Girls who lived in households where they got a cash transfer, and this cash transfer wasn't even just to the girls themselves. It was shared out within the whole household and really quite small amounts of money. Girls who lived in households that got a cash transfer were half as likely to have transactional sex, and that was both prevalence, which is generally, but also incidence. They were half as likely to newly start a transactional sexual relationship than girls who lived in, in households where they didn't get a cash transfer. And also, girls who lived in these households were only a third as likely to start a relationship with a much older sexual partner. And that's a huge risk for HIV infection, both older sexual partners and transactional sex. And again, we saw real differences. So for example, um, girls in a household who didn't get a cash transfer, around 4.8%, so around 5%, had age-disparate relationships, whereas girls who did get cash transfers, that was reduced to about 1.7%. So really quite significant differences we saw. But we didn't see differences for girls on other kinds of sexual risk. So we didn't see differences on having sex when you're drunk or taking drugs. We didn't see differences on multiple partners. And we didn't see differences on unprotected sex. And when we thought about why and looked at the other studies, it really became clear that what the poverty alleviation of grants does for girls is it allows them not to be dependent on sugar daddies, not to be dependent on older men for their school fees, for their food, for, for somewhere to stay. It allows them that freedom to, to choose who they have sex with. Unfortunately, it doesn't make them have any less risky sex once they're having sex, but they can choose someone... They can make decisions which are not based on desperation and economics. For boys, it, it doesn't seem to show the same effects. We're not really sure why. Our study doesn't tell us why. Certainly, we do know from sub-Saharan Africa that the sugar daddy syndrome is something that's really targeted at, at girls. And it's, it's younger girls and, and older men that seems to be the dynamic of risk there and also the, a very common dynamic. And we also know that, the, that girls are at, at this hugely higher risk. So we see around two to three times the prevalence of HIV amongst adolescent girls and young women as we do amongst the same age of boys. So they're both higher risk for transactional and age-disparate sex and, and very closely linked to that higher risk for HIV. Well, those findings really are very encouraging then. Um, how generalisable are your findings to age groups other than adolescents, for example, or out of South Africa? You know, we just don't know. I mean, I think what's, what's really encouraging is that we're seeing the same results in, in this study in South Africa, in Tanzania and in Malawi. And that really suggests to me that we're seeing quite similar dynamics happening in the different countries. But, I mean, we just don't know.
I think what is really encouraging, though, is that South Africa had a, a system of social grants long before any of the other sub-Saharan African countries. So that's really a legacy of a, a particular government system and, and a, a grant that was originally intended for white families and then was converted after apartheid um, to all families in need. But what I think is something that really gives me great hope is that a number of other sub-Saharan African countries in the last two or three years have started introducing these poverty alleviation large-scale social grants. As we just at the point at which we're seeing this fantastic evidence that that these grants can alleviate poverty and thereby alleviate sexual risk and HIV transmission risk. At that same time, we're knowing that those grants are being introduced into other countries in the region that are also really hard hit by HIV. I think it would be a great opportunity as they start these grants to really test that in those countries as well. Well, that leads on to my final question, which is... What part do you think that cash transfer programmes might play in the future in initiatives to reduce HIV, but even more globally in international development? Wow, that's a huge question and many people are much more expert on that than me. It's clear from, from our findings, but also from the findings of the other randomised control trials, that cash transfers aren't the whole answer. They reduce some clear and very important risks, but they don't reduce all risks and they don't reduce risks for everyone. So it's clear that cash transfers need to be part of a combination prevention approach. Now, HIV prevention in sub-Saharan Africa is something that we've been trying to get right for the last 25 years. And I think we're going to need to continue trying and trying different things and, and refining and improving our programs. I think that what this tells us is that Behavioural and educational programmes alone may not be sufficient. That these findings suggest that these girls know that sugar daddies are a risk for them. They know that older men and transactional sex are something that they would prefer not to be doing. Because as soon as they're given just that little amount of money, just $30 a month for their whole family, they're choosing not to do that. And I think that that tells us that that kind of poverty alleviation is an essential part of HIV prevention for these particular very poverty-stricken areas and, and poverty-stricken households, that everything else may not be enough without it. Well, what a fascinating study and a really fantastic discussion. That was Dr Lucy Cleaver on the line from the University of Oxford. Lucy, thank you very much for talking to The Lancet Global Health. Thank you. This article, along with all the other content from The Lancet Global Health, is open access and can be read for free at thelancet.com. Thanks again to Dr Lucy Cleaver and to you all for listening. See you next time.